I'm Laura Herberg, and this is Curiosity, where listeners ask questions about Detroit and the region. Summer is a great time for a road trip, so we thought we'd take you on our own little road trip this episode. We're re-airing some of our favorite stories about Detroit streets. Later on in the episode, we'll play you a story about John R., who he was and where his last name went. We're also going to talk about Detroit's funky street layout. But first, if you're going to talk about roads in Metro Detroit, you can't do it without talking about the mile roads. Cue the theme song from 8 Mile. Sorry, guys, we do not have a budget here at Curiosity, so that is literally the best we can do. Over the years, listeners have sent us various questions related to the mile roads, like, are they really one mile apart? Why are some not called mile roads? Back in 2019, WDET's Pat Batchelor looked into some of your questions about the mile road system, including this one from listener Angela Hoffman. I moved to Gross Point about eight years ago on a street named Three Mile Drive. Always really curious what that street was named after. To answer Angela's question, I started by looking at a map. Three Mile Drive, Gross Point. And there it is. Three Mile Drive runs northwest from Essex Street in Gross Point Park to Harper Avenue in Detroit's Morningside neighborhood. But it is not one of the mile roads which run east to west. 37 of these roads, spaced one mile apart, exist between downtown Detroit and the northern boundary of Macomb County. They follow a pattern laid out by land surveyors in 1815. Eight Mile Road runs along the Michigan Survey's original baseline, which stretches west to Lake Michigan. Drive eight miles south, and where do you end up? The Detroit River, maybe? Joel Stone of the Detroit Historical Society says that's a common but erroneous assumption. Which often throws people. I mean, if you start at the river and you drive up Woodward Avenue and get to Eight Mile Road, you've driven nine miles. So how did it get to be Eight Mile Road? Well, the answer is it doesn't start at the river. It started at the point of origin in Campus Martius. Okay, now I just need to find this point of origin. And away we go. So I drive down Woodward Avenue toward downtown, accompanied by my colleague Shiraz Ahmed and Detroit historian Ken Coleman. After we park, we walk to Campus Martius. As we approach the park restaurant, we look down and see a glassy porthole in the ground. We peer inside, and there it is, just a few feet below us. Okay, so we have found the point of origin. Ken Coleman says this is the point from which the city radiates outward. Standing uh, right here, looking north, uh, if you were to go eight miles from the point of origin, you'd be at Baseline Road. Uh, We know it now as Eight Mile Road. And if you go west, we run right into Michigan Avenue, and Michigan Avenue goes out at an angle. Uh, and it would be effectively zero-mile road. Michigan Avenue runs west for a few miles until just before it reaches Lanyo Street. Draw a straight line west from here, and zero-mile would become Ford Road. Proceeding north at one-mile intervals takes you to Warren, Joy, Plymouth, and Schoolcraft before reaching five-mile road. It was common to name major streets after important places or people. Historian Ken Coleman says that's why five-mile in Detroit is called Fenkel. George H. Finkel was the longtime City of Detroit Public Works uh, Commissioner, uh, and he was also the Water and Sewerage uh, Department um, Commissioner. 
he is credited with devising the strategy of cleaning streets by using pressurized water. Two miles south of Finkel, Plymouth Road runs all the way into, you guessed it, the city of Plymouth. Otherwise, it might have been called Three Mile Road. Which brings us back to Angela Hoffman's original question. How did Three Mile Drive get its name? I have some friends that work at Pawabic Pottery and heard the story that Mary Stratton lived on Three Mile Drive and infamously walked to work um, at her Pawabic studio, which was three miles from her house. So kind of curious to see if that is where that street name comes from. I'm curious, too. So I visit Pawabic Pottery's studio on East Jefferson Avenue. Here I meet someone who might be able to explain the origin of Three Mile Drive. My name is Cara Catello, and I am communications coordinator at Pawabic. Before I had this position, I wrote the book about Pawabic. That book contains details about Mary Chase Perry's life and work. Perry and Horace Calkins opened their first studio in Detroit's Brush Park neighborhood in 1903. After a few years, they moved the business to the corner of East Jefferson and Cadillac Boulevard. This is where Perry's future husband, architect William B. Stratton, built the current studio in 1907. Twenty years later, the Strattons built their dream house on Three Mile Drive, which happens to be about three miles from Puwabek. But Cara Catalo says she found no evidence that Mary Stratton ever walked that far to work. We think pretty strongly that it was when she lived on Cadillac following that house. They only lived in that house for about 10 years. Uh, so we think that she walked to work because it was just around the corner from the pottery, but not uh, three miles. There is evidence that the name Three Mile Drive predated the Stratton's move there by several years. A 1915 Detroit Free Press article describes plans for luxury homes on Three Mile in what was then Gross Point. The same article also mentions future plans to expand the road to a total length of three miles. That's one explanation of how the street got its name. Another comes from Detroit historian Nick Sinicori, author of the book Horsepower, Men, and Machines. In the 19th century, horse racing was a staple of entertainment on Detroit's east side, a fact Sinicori cited from a book called Trot Along by William Gosher. This gentleman, it was the authority on horse racing. And since that was part of the culture of the day, Detroit had three one-mile racetracks. Those tracks included the Detroit Driving Club near Jefferson and what is now Algonquin Street. All three of those tracks are gone. Three Mile Drive remains, as does the Stratton House, which is on the National Register of Historic Places and belongs to someone else. Now that Angela Hoffman knows her street's history, have we answered her question? Absolutely. That's really fun to know. I mean, it's it's still fun to know that it's just a happy coincidence that Mary Stratton lived three miles from Poabic. We have a fun uh, neighborhood three-mile Facebook group where we organize block parties and such, and I'm sure everyone will be really excited to know the history of our street name. That story was produced by WDET's Pat Batchelor back in 2019. When you're talking about roads in Detroit, another question that often comes up is, why are streets like Michigan Avenue and Gratiot at such funky angles? Well, back in 2012, I worked on a project that touched on this, so I want to play you guys a snippet from it. In this piece, you're going to hear from Joel Stone again. You heard him in Pat's piece. Joel's title these days is Curator Emeritus with the Detroit Historical Society, and you'll also hear from two women. I'm Amy Elliott Bragg. Amy is a writer and editor and the author of the book Hidden History of Detroit. The book is 
really fun, a really breezy read. Amy writes how she talks, and it's great. Uh, The third voice you'll hear is, well, I'll let her say her name. Jeanette Pierce. Jeanette has led a lot of organizations that promote the city of Detroit, primarily through tours, and she's currently the founder and president of City Institute. Okay, I'll let these guys take it away, but first you need to know that in 1805, Detroit burned to the ground in a fire. There were just two buildings left, and when they decided to rebuild the city, they wanted to build it on more of a a modern and cosmopolitan view of a city, a la Paris of 1800, or Washington, D.C., which was a brand new town at that point, too. One of the people here in town who was in charge was a guy named Augustus Woodward. He was a judge. Woodward was like one of Detroit's best eccentrics. He loved astronomy and science, and he considered himself like really good friends with Thomas Jefferson, although he may or may not have been really good friends with Thomas Jefferson. That might have been a very one-way relationship. Um, but he he wanted a plan of roads that would make really wide roads, and, and the way that he envisioned them was as kind of this hub-and-spoke design. Like spokes of a wheel, or really like a hand, uh, because we obviously have the river to the south, so we don't have the spokes extending that direction. The downside of his idea was he came up with this hexagonal plan whereby it was a series of hexagons, one touching another and extending off ad infinitum, creating a very, very complicated city. It would have been impossible to give somebody directions to get someplace because it would have been so complicated. People read this plan of the city and they thought it was insane. They were like, this is just doesn't, this doesn't make any sense. It just looks like a big spider web and how are we supposed to get around? They were used to a very square layout, you know, traditional square street layout. So they they fought back and Woodward's plan got reduced and reduced further and reduced further. Until it was reduced to being mostly just downtown, other than roads like Michigan Avenue, Grand River, Woodward, and Gratiot, which extended beyond. Not mentioned in this piece is that some of these roads are said to have followed trails created by tribes native to the area. For example, Woodward Avenue is said to have followed a trail that ran between Detroit and Saginaw. So we just want to make sure to acknowledge that as well. Coming up, we are finally going to talk about John R. But first, let's take a quick break. I'm Ann DeLisi. I'm Rob Reinhardt. And we're about to bring back the perfect opportunity to honor your favorite pet and support WDET. During our spring fundraiser, Ann and I will combine our shows so you can honor your dog. Or your cat. Or your dog. And WDET with a gift of support. We're looking forward to hearing about your pets, no matter what kind of cat that is. Cats and dogs and any other pet you may have will be part of our fundraiser. And if you can't wait till the weekend, make your gift now at WDET.org slash give. Or call 800-959-9333. Back in 2017, we received some questions from WDET listener Don Hafner about the street named John R. Why is it just John R.? Why, you know, most streets use the last name of a person, not the first name and initials. So I always thought that was kind of strange. And also, who was John R. and, and why the street was named after him? John R. was named after a Detroiter from the late 1700s named John R. Williams. Today, you can find his grave in Elmwood Cemetery on the city's east side. Don and I went there to check it out. On top of a hill sits a white memorial column taller than some nearby trees. Carved in the front in all caps, it reads John R. Williams. And here we have found what we think may have been his original gravestone, um, which is flush with the ground and looks quite old. 
Would you mind reading it? In memory, John R. Williams, born Detroit, 1782, died 1854. John R. Williams was born in Detroit to an English father and French mother at a time when the city wasn't much more than a fur trading post with ribbon farms. John R.'s father died when he was three, but a wealthy uncle took him in. The uncle's name? Joseph Campo. Yes, like the street. Under Campo's care, John R. was educated in English and French. Well, he was a tenacious fellow. That's Matthew Thick. He teaches history at the University of Michigan Flint. He was a hard worker, and that's evident by the success of his business. He was a, a merchant in Detroit. He was a lot of things, a military man and dual winner among them. Another thing that is interesting about John R. that isn't widely known is that he was a slave owner. That's journalist Bill McGraw. He says as late as the 1820s, most wealthy people in Detroit owned at least one or two slaves, and John R. was no exception. When he and his uncle Joseph Campo got together in the newspaper business, a slave named Hector um, worked as their clerk. That paper, after a merger, became known as the Detroit Free Press. John R. also took on countless civic duties, including justice of the peace, official auctioneer, and member of the city of Detroit's Board of Education. But his greatest achievement might have been how he helped bolster the power of local government in the region. For most of John R. Williams' life, Michigan wasn't a state, but a territory. And University of Michigan archivist Mike Smith says the area had a bad rap. Detroit has been around since 1701, of course, and people know of Detroit, but Michigan itself is not considered a great place. In fact, many people think Michigan is just a giant swamp. John R. felt that the people who governed the territory didn't understand it, since they were from the East Coast. So he formed a committee that successfully petitioned the federal government for an elected delegate to represent them. The rationale was that the territory's population exceeded 5,000. John R. ran for the position himself, but lost to a newbie to the area, a man named William Woodbridge. A Detroit neighborhood is now named after him. But John R. Williams was not shaken. In 1824, he helped draft what's recognized as the city's first charter. And then later that year, he became Detroit's first elected mayor. Okay, let's cross over here. Don and I are downtown, where Grand Circus Park meets Comerica Park. John R. Williams used to own this land, and he named many of the nearby streets, including John R. I've brought Don down here to show him why the street is just a first name followed by an initial. Let's see here. I have something I want you to look at. This is a map of what this looked like in 1835. Okay. Do you notice anything? I point to where Don and I are standing, on Adams and Witherell, just a block away from John R. That's Williams. Oh, this was Williams Street. And, and now, now it's Witherell. Now it's Witherell. Hmm. He had well, he had his full name together in, in, in one place, but on two different streets right next to each other. Did you catch that? The 1835 map we're looking at shows a Williams Street a block away from John R. Street. Together, the streets spelled out his full name, John R. Williams. The reason we're left with just John R. is that after he died in 1854, the city continued to grow. Sometime in the 1890s, a Williams Avenue appeared on the city's west side. 
To avoid confusion, William Street downtown was changed to Witherall, most likely for John R.'s contemporary, Michigan Supreme Court Justice Benjamin F.H. Witherall. Today, Williams Avenue is Williams Street, and it's still on the west side. But the existence of the downtown Williams Street, just like the man it commemorated, is generally long forgotten. Yet you could say both helped pave the way for present-day Detroit. You've been listening to Curiosity, a production of 1019 WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. I'm Laura Herberg, the executive producer of this show. Thank you to Angela Hoffman and Don Hafner for asking their questions. Stories in this episode were reported by WDET's Pat Batchelor and me. This episode was produced by me with mastering and additional mixing done by WDET's Sam Bobian. Our music is by Will Sessions. Thanks to WDET podcast manager David Lyons for production support. WDET's digital team is Dave Kim and Sophia Joswiak. Curiosity is driven by your questions. If there's something you're curious about related to Detroit, please ask about it at WDET.org curious. If you don't have a question but you want to help us out, you can give a tax-deductible donation to WDET at WDET.org donate. And who knows? Maybe someday Curiosity will have its own budget. In the meantime, it'll help keep some of us who work on this show employed. That's all I got for you guys today. Thanks so much for listening to Curiosity.